This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to be with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Um, Thank you for getting up so bright and early since everybody's been at home for such an extended period of time. We're excited this week because it's the last week that I have to preach to an empty congregation. Well, with the four people that we have here. From next week, things are going to change. So we have the opportunity once again to get together. Um, What we want to do is we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a good time to once again come together to praise and to worship, to celebrate God and to see what he's going to do amongst us. Um, People are at different places in the spectrum. And whatever you believe and wherever you're comfortable right now, that's where I want you to be and that's what I want you to do. If you're comfortable getting out and about, we're going to follow whatever the rules and the regulations are that are put in place, but we're going to create a comfortable space for people to come together and to worship God. If you're not comfortable getting out and about just yet, it's fine. Stay at home and you'll be able to stream the message. I don't know whether we'll have praise and worship. We probably will have on Facebook, but we won't have it on YouTube. So, But for people who do want to come out, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody again. So use the opportunity. If you're comfortable, put your mask on, come out and do what we've got to do. And the good thing is you can take it off for praise and worship. We do have to have some limitations internally in terms of where people sit so that we can honor um, the guidelines that have been put forward. But it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to once again connecting with everybody. We can do things electronically, but it's never the same as in person. That's why I'm not on Facebook because I don't want to have 300 friends. I'd rather just have five good friends that I can connect with. So we're looking forward to that. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. I thank you for what it is that you're going to do in our midst today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just take the words that are spoken and I pray that you will just use those words to ignite fires inside people. I want to thank you that it brings about change and transformation. I want to thank you that it it is something that incentivizes a, a, a zeal and a hunger inside of people and motivates them to step into the things that you have set and provided for them. We bless you for it now, in Jesus' name, amen. Won't you please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. I'm only going to read one verse, so if you want to listen to it, it's quite okay. Matthew 19 and verse 17. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. The most important part that I really want you to remember in that is, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. I want to speak to you this morning about something that I've titled called to be distinctive. Called to be distinctive. There is a distinctive call in each one of our lives. And when we understand what God has called us into and we recognize what that calling is, we'll step into it and it'll make us a differentiated person in the way that we live and the way that we walk. It becomes important not only for us to step into the life that God's provided for us, but it becomes important because we become a walking billboard for who God is. When I was younger, I spent many years in advertising. And the role of an advertiser is really commercial communication. And so what we do is we partner together with our clients so that they've developed a product. And what we do is we work together with them so that they can take that product to the marketplace and we present it to them so that people have a look at it. And they sit and say, that's something that I want in my life. 
One of the most important things about advertising is that you never speak about the product. You talk about how it changes people's lives. There's no point going out there telling people that we've got a nice new car. Nobody's going to buy your car. Don't tell them that you've got more white toilet paper. People aren't going to buy it. People aren't interested because you've got, you know, a new toothpaste. Unless you're able to sit and say to people, this is why you need to buy this product. This is how it's going to change and affect your life. This is the benefit that it's going to be to you. Unless you can present that in a compelling way, it's very difficult to get people to let go of their cash and buy your product. People are looking for an opportunity to improve their lives. And if you can improve their lives in some way and you use that opportunity, what will end up happening is people will go and search out for your product and they'll pay a premium for it. You can't necessarily just go out there and make any rash claim about your product. You've got to be able to substantiate it. You can't just get out there and sit and say it's the fastest car in the world and it's the best toothpaste and it's the strongest toilet paper. You've got to be able to present something that's compelling. You've got to be able to present some evidence so that people sit and say, I understand why that claim carries with it validity. If you talk about the fact that I've got the the fastest car, what makes it that? We've put in a super turbocharged engine. The reason that you should buy this toothpaste is because it's got three in one. It's going to whiten your teeth, it's going to freshen your breath, and it's going to take care of your cavities. You give them a compelling reason as to why they need to buy the toothpaste. They understand what it's going to do for my life, and there's a credibility that goes with it because they understand the substantiation that goes behind the claim. One of the most formidable ways of advertising a product is if you can get a testimonial. If you can get somebody who's used your product and they're able to sit there and communicate to people how my life changed because this is who I used to be. I used the product and this is who I am right now. I used to be a person who was just a gray nine to five nerd, but then I discovered this fantastic super sports car and I got into it and I've been speeding all over the place and all of a sudden I'm the talk of the town. Everybody thinks I'm the local hero because I'm the speedster who drives along in the sports coupe. It changed my life. I used to be this geeky little person with funky green teeth. And what ended up happening was I started using this toothpaste and my teeth widened up and the halitosis went away and I could smile without cavities. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted to date me on campus. Why? My life changed. When you can present people with a testimonial, what ends up happening is people will listen to it and sit and say, that's what I want. That's what I've been looking for. I want to be like that person. I want to experience what they have. Part of the challenge that we have as the body of Christ is that we talk about God and we don't evidence the kingdom. We spend too much time talking about God and not evidencing the kingdom. We tell everybody about who God is. We tell them that God loves them. We tell them that God has an interest for them. We tell them that God has a plan for their life. We tell them and tell them and tell them. We talk to them with regularity about the product. The problem with it is people are sitting saying, evidence for me, give me some substantiation as to why it's important in my life. Show me something that's compelling. We don't evidence the kingdom. And because we don't evidence the kingdom, we do a whole bunch of talking. We talk about stuff, but what's most compelling for people is, show me the kingdom. For, lots of, for a lot of the world, when we start to talk about Christianity, Christian, the Christian experience is, is boring to the world. The Christian experience is boring. These are a whole bunch of people who read the same book over and over again. 
They take a whole bunch of their free time on the weekend and they go to church with regularity. They committed. They have to give up their finances. A lot of them think that they're really special because they're poor. They sing songs and they pray and they never have any fun. And the world is looking at it and they're sitting saying, but you want me to believe in your God. You want me to buy into that lifestyle, but you have nothing that's compelling, that's inviting for me. I don't find anything that you have right at the moment enticing enough to sit and say, I'm prepared to give up where I am and what I have so that I can engage that. You see, what's happened is we found religion, but we've never found the kingdom. We found religion, but we've never found the kingdom. We've been able to introduce people to a whole bunch of rules and regulations that make them look good, that separate them, that, that create a, a bunch of rules that separate the church and make it more distinctive from the world. But it's nothing that's inviting to people. It hasn't been transformational in our life. It hasn't been anything that has taken us from where we are and introduced us to a lifestyle where people out there have a look at it and sit and say, I want what you've got. I like what I see and it's enticing and it's inviting to me. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus is talking and he says, you are to be witnesses unto me. Religion wants to witness. Religion wants to do witnessing. Religion wants to go out there and tell people how they need to be born again. Religion wants to go out and invite people into church. Religion wants to go out there and hand out tracts and tell them, you're on this side and you're a sinner, but you need to get born again or you're not going to heaven. But it's not compelling to the world. What's compelling to the world is, show me the evidence. Jesus said, I want you to be witnesses unto me. A witness is somebody who has to be able to present compelling evidence that is substantiation for their testimony. You've got to be able to go in there and sit and say, I'm sitting here and let me show you something that makes the testimony that I'm presenting to you factual. Let me present something to you that you have a look at it and sit and say, I like what I see. I like what's presented to me. And I know that it's compelling enough and I know that it's true and it's something that I want. That's why the power is in the evidence. Power is not in the word. We want to spend too long talking to people about stuff and people are sitting saying, I hear what you're saying, but there's no power in the word. The power is in the evidence. Let me see your life. Evidence the kingdom to me and it changes everything. That's why the kingdom works, but religion doesn't. The kingdom works because there is power in the kingdom that is transformational. The kingdom works because it's going to introduce you to a new way of living. The kingdom works because every aspect of your life, God has made provision for you to take that and to move that from where you are into a kingdom representation. It should be something which becomes lifestyle to who we are. And when it becomes lifestyle to us, it becomes something which is a magnet to people. Things happen in the kingdom that don't happen in religion. There is life in the kingdom. There is no life in religion. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom. We often lose that because we're so busy looking at righteousness and what's going to be added to us. We don't really see and, and we very easily glance over God sitting saying, I want you to set this as a priority. Number one, seek ye first. 
He didn't say other things. Seek first the kingdom. What he's saying is, I want you to understand the priority of your life as a born again believer is to identify and recognize how it is that you ta- you're able to take different aspects of who you are, aspects of your personality, aspects of your thinking, aspects of your world, aspects of your family, and how you're able to introduce them to kingdom life. What he's saying is when you are introduced to immersion, things will start to happen. But the priority of your life needs to be, how do I get who I am and what I'm all about into the kingdom? Because when you find and you discover how to get into the kingdom, what will end up happening is all of these things will be added unto you. All of these things being added unto you become so substantial and consequential because not only is it going to take and elevate your standard of living, not only is it going to elevate your lifestyle, not only is it going to give you an experiential reality as to what the life of God is all about, but it introduces you to be a walking billboard for him. When you are able to step into that place and you live kingdom life, it means that you can walk out into the world and you're able to evidence to people kingdom life. That is what the world is looking for. If you want to change your world, you've got to be a kingdom citizen. If you want to have influence, you've got to be immersed in kingdom culture. If you want to be somebody who sits and says, I want to change my environment and the neighborhood in which I find myself, we've got to be at a place where we're able to take kingdom and present it to the world. Kingdom is compelling. Words aren't. Kingdom is compelling. Words aren't. If you have a look at John chapter 10. In verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the door. I'm not the destination. I am the door. I'm not the destination. What he's saying is, if you want to enter into kingdom living, if you want to experience what it is to live kingdom lifestyle, I'm the only way you get in. But he said, I'm the door. I'm not the destination. We've got too many churches. And what ends up happening is we present to people the door without the destination. Jesus is here. Jesus is going to get you saved. Jesus is going to make you new. Jesus is going to transform you. Jesus will get rid of the old and make you brand new. All of that is true. The problem with it is once we get somebody born again, they come back next week and we tell them Jesus loves you and Jesus is going to make you new and Jesus is going to do away with the old and Jesus is going to introduce you to kingdom life and we present them with the door again. We've never gone beyond the door. Jesus said, I am the door. I'm not the destination. The kingdom is the destination. When God took Israel out of Egypt, the goal was not to take them out of slavery. The goal was to get them into the promised land. When you come out from where you are, God's goal is not just to take you out of sin and get you born again and put his life on the inside of you. His goal is to immerse you and to introduce you into kingdom life. What he's saying is, Everything happens as a result of Jesus. He is not only the door, but he's provided kingdom life to you. The invitation is this. Don't take your kingdom passport and camp at the door. Go and discover your citizenship. 
Discover your citizenship. What does it mean to you to be a citizen? You can camp at the door and you can talk about the fact that you've been born again all of your life. You can go and speak to people about the fact that I used to be this and now I've become that. You can speak about the fact that Jesus provided for you new life and life abundantly. But you've got to experience it. You've got to experience abundant life. Abundant life isn't discovered at the door. Abundant life is discovered in the kingdom. I am the door, but I'm not the destination. You see, when God talks about the kingdom, he's not talking about religion. What he's talking about, he's talking about a domain that is defined by the reign and the rule of Christ. He's talking about a domain that has a constitution. He's talking about a domain where God informs the culture of what that is all about. And when I take who I am and I begin to discover how I walk into kingdom life and I allow that to inform every part of who I am, things in my life begin to change. That's why Christianity is a lifestyle. It's not a religion. Because when you step into kingdom life, God is going to touch every part of your being. You think you can step into kingdom life and think the way you used to, but you're wrong. Because when you step into kingdom life, he changes the way that you think. He introduces you to newness. He introduces you to freshness. He changes and makes your views more expansive. He gets you to see opportunities. You see the way that barriers confront you are no longer limitations in life, but obstacles to become overcome, to, to be overcome. All of a sudden you have a look at people in your life and you see the value in them. And I move from being a critical person to being somebody who recognizes the value and I affirm and pull out of them everything that God designed for them to be. When I move from where I was into kingdom life, it's going to affect my disposition to things. It makes me peaceful. It makes me joyful. It makes me happy. It gets me established in the reality that I'm not detached from life, but I'm connected to a greater life, a life that comes in and that informs me. And it doesn't matter what happens in my world and in, in my environment because that's not kingdom life. It's not kingdom life. He called me into kingdom life. He calls me to be that. Why? Because when I allow that to inform who I am and when I allow it to come in and allow it to give expression to who I am, what ends up happening is I become a walking billboard to the world. And people look at me and they say, I want what you've got, not because of what you told me, but because I like your lifestyle. I like your lifestyle. People want to come to America. Why? Not because of its geographic location. Not because it's squeezed between Canada and Mexico. People want to come to America not because people speak with a twang. People want to come to America because of the lifestyle. The lifestyle and what it offers. It's the American dream. People hear about the American dream. My life can change if I can take it and I can immerse it in a culture which sits and says, you know what? There is something called economic mobility. You can take your life from where it is and you can move it to a new space. There are opportunities for growth. There are opportunities for expansion. We embrace a concept called capitalism. And yes, it may not be perfect, but you know what? It's a whole lot better than socialism and communism and any other kind of ism that's out there. Because what it says is you can become what you want to become. 
We like America because of the lifestyle, because it says it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your culture is. Everybody is welcome in here. And when we get in, we start to discover what we can be. And opportunities begin to present themselves. We love America because of the lifestyle, because it's government of the people, by the people, for the people. We don't serve a monarchy. We don't serve an autocracy. What we serve is a government that sits and says, it's all about the lifestyle for the people. How do we protect the lifestyle for the people so that everybody who comes in here can become all that they want to be? Government is not there to make you who you are. Government is there to protect your right to become who you want to be. There's a big difference. And we take the lifestyle of America and we splash it over the canvases of the world. And people hear it in the music, on radio, and on CD, and on Apple. And I sit in the evenings and I watch television with the family and there it is all over my television screen. And I go to the movies and Hollywood paints the lifestyle for me on the big screen. And I look at it and I sit and say, I like the lifestyle. I'd like to be in America. You're called to preach the gospel. We're called to preach the good news. What is the good news? To take everything that the kingdom stands for and to live it out in our lives so that when people have a look at it, they say, I like that lifestyle. I want to be in that kingdom. Talk to me about how I do that. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Jesus is talking. And they're talking about the kingdom and they're talking about how do I enter into the kingdom? And Jesus says, unless you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. People want to know, how do I get into the kingdom? How do I enter the kingdom? I understand the concept. I understand the idea. I understand that in the, in the, the realm of the kingdom rests God's blessing, God's provision, God's promises, everything that he has available to us. It's all resting in the kingdom. I want to know how I get in there. And he says, unless you become little children, you cannot enter the kingdom. The best way to me, for me to relate to something like that is when I think about my own children. When I raise my kids, it's important for Sarah and I that what we do is we impart to our children what we believe is right. We impart to them principles that are designed to govern their life, govern their actions, govern their disposition. And what we're doing is we speak to them about it and we explain to them why it's important. And the reason we do that is because we want them to take that and use it as a building block for their life. The funny thing about kids is when you speak to kids about that and you begin to articulate it, what ends up happening is they invariably take it and over a period of time, it becomes a part of their life. And they live within the context of what that concept has defined. And when they begin to live that way, it begins to define their lifestyle and who they are. It makes them distinctive. They are different to other kids. Why? Because the building blocks that we've put into our children are not the same as the building blocks other people may have put into their kids. 
And so it makes them distinctive in terms of who they are. And what ends up happening is when they go out, people recognize that it's distinctive. We go to a pizza place to get pizza and we're walking along and we're ordering individual pizzas. And the person behind it turns to Vivian and says, you know what? You have such good manners. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this brownie. Take this cookie because I really appreciate your manners. Why? Because she's distinctive. She's living out of the context of what's been established for her. And when she lives that and she becomes an expression of that, she moves out into the world and people recognize something about it and they respond to it because they see it. And it's like, you know what? Let me give you this. We go to an ice cream store and everybody gets to order their ice cream. So Vivi goes and the kids go and they all order their ice cream. And at the end of ordering, before we get to pay, the lady behind us says, you know what? You kids and the way that you handle this is so good. Let me pay for your ice cream. Let me pay for your ice cream. They never asked for it. But she was watching them all the time. And it made such an impact and such an impression on them, on her, that she said, I'm going to respond to that. Let me pay for your ice cream. What we put into them Because they take it and digest it and begin to live from that place makes them distinctive. And when they become distinctive, what ends up happening is they stand out in the world and the world responds to it. Jesus is saying, unless you become as little children, it's hard for me to get you to a place where you become distinctive. You see, children are obedient, but adults want to negotiate. Children are obedient. They will hear what mom and dad say. And they may ask questions about it. But what ends up happening is ultimately they take it, they buy it, they make it a part of their lives. And because of their obedience, it sets them apart and it makes them distinctive. Adults move into the kingdom and we get born again and we meet Jesus at the door. And he says, I'll tell you what, what we're going to do now is I'm going to take every aspect of your life and I'm going to introduce you to what it is to be involved in kingdom. I'm going to introduce you to kingdom life. And the way that I'm going to introduce you is through obedience. Every time I give you something, are you prepared to step through the door and step into the kingdom? Children say yes. But adults want to negotiate at the door. Well, you know, seek ye first the kingdom. Is that kind of in all things or can I kind of get to choose which things? Because I like these things over here and these are quite happy and I don't really want to touch this stuff. But this little bit of my life over here isn't working all that well. How about we take this stuff and introduce it to the kingdom? Because I want those blessings. Don't touch that. But let's move it to this area here. I want to negotiate. Given, it will be given unto you. I'm calling you as a kingdom citizen to live a life of being a blessing to others, to be a giver, to take the fullness that's been put on the inside of you. And in everything that you do, in everyone that you meet, in every situation that you find yourself, you're always giving, you're seeding the whole time. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. When you say tithing and giving and stuff, is it only money or can I maybe do it other ways? And when you say money, how much do you mean? We want to negotiate. Why? Because we're not, we've never bought into the fundamental principle that when I immerse my life into the kingdom culture, it begins to change who I am. 
And all of those things come naturally to me because it becomes a disposition to my life, not a law I have to follow. All of a sudden that becomes who I am. It's not a regulation. I get so much joy and fulfillment from taking the things that he's given to me and introducing them to my world. He calls us to live that way. When we talk about entering the kingdom, what we're really talking about is experiencing the kingdom. Experiencing the kingdom. If you're not experiencing the kingdom, you're outside of the kingdom in an area. He's calling us to experience. If he says, I'm calling you to that, if you're not experiencing his design, that area of your life is outside of kingdom. So the opportunity is to go and sit and find out and say, Father, I'll tell you what, I want to migrate this area of my life from where it is right now. I want to move it into kingdom. Show me what I need to do. And you know what he's going to give you? Something to obey. Oh, but we don't like that. But that's what God says. When he cut covenant with Abraham, what is the first thing he said? If you will obey all my commandments, then the following blessings will come upon you. What is he saying? Obedience migrates our life. Obedience moves us from where we are positioned right at the moment and it changes everything and it shifts everything and it moves my life from where I am so that I position myself in the kingdom because blessing is in the kingdom. Obedience is to migrate me there. That's where I'll discover blessing. But if I don't want to be obedient, I can't step into the kingdom. So I live from the outside and I look through the glass and I get so excited about all of the things there, but I don't get to touch it. I window shop. But I don't experience it. Life in the kingdom is all about experiencing. In John chapter three, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, Jesus, I like who you are. You're distinctive. You stand out from everybody. You're not the same as everybody else. I like your lifestyle. There's authority in operation there. There's a a measure of, of life that I see in you that I don't see in other places. And I want that. I like who you are. I like what you represent. Speak to me about how I get that. And Jesus says to him, unless a man gets born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. If you have a look at the word see in the original Greek, what it means is to understand or to experience. Unless you get born again, you will never experience the kingdom of God. He says something interesting to Nicodemus because most times everybody has the opportunity to become a citizen of a country. You can make an application. If you were not born there, you can be naturalized. But Jesus says, we don't have any naturalized citizens. He says, unless you are born a citizen, you don't become one. You've got to be born a citizen. And then they have this whole silly conversation and it's, it's a whole situa- situation between natural and spiritual. And Jesus is trying to get him to the place where Jesus says to him, listen, Nicodemus, what's of the flesh is flesh. What's of the spirit is spirit. What, what Jesus was saying to him was this provision has been made for you to get born again. 
Provision has been made so that you will be able to grab a hold of that and become a new creation and become a person who is born into the kingdom. What spirit is spirit. The invitation has been extended. And then he says something quite interesting, because if you go and have a look towards the end of that discussion there, From verse 6, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. Then listen to what he says. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The point that he's making is this. When you get born naturally, it's visible and everybody can see it. But the thing is, when you get born spiritually, it may not be something that's visible to the eye. The thing is, when you conceive spiritually in in yourself, it may not necessarily be visible in your life right at the moment. But you give conception enough time and over a period of time, what ends up happening is conception is going to manifest itself. After a period of time, you may not recognize at the beginning that you were pregnant. You may not recognize at the beginning and have any evidence that you can show to anybody else that I'm expecting. But after a period of time, what's going to end up happening is you're going to begin to manifest the fact that I'm expecting. What he's saying is this, when you get born again spiritually, you may not see anything and you may look like the same person and you may go back to the same house that you've always lived in and you may sit and eat dinner with the same family that you've always eaten dinner with. But what's going to happen after a period of time is that you're going to start to manifest pregnancy. What's going to happen after a period of time is the life that's on the inside of you. The new nature is going to begin to grow and it's beginning to, to inform you and it's going to begin to, to challenge and, and scratch at the parts of your life and invite you into newness and invite you to become a whole new person. And as you begin to allow that to grow on the inside of you, you begin to change. And as you begin to change, what ends up happening is everybody around you starts to sit and say, what's happening? to you what's going on in your life I'm expecting I'm on the road to distinction I'm on the road to being a distinctive person I'm on the road to being somebody not the person that I used to be anymore but I'm embracing kingdom and as I embrace kingdom what ends up happening is I'm beginning to change in myself the moment that you are born of the kingdom you become fertile territory you become fertile soil And when you become fertile soil, what ends up happening is God says every seed that's sown in your life is going to take root and it's going to begin to grow. And you may not see it and you may be looking for it and you may be criticizing me, but I'm holding on to that because I know the seed that's sown on on the inside of me, the seed that's been sown into fertile soil is growing. And as it's growing and as it's maturing, I know the day's coming where it's going to bear fruit. And you will all have a look at it and sit and say, he's distinctive. He's different. Let me give you a cookie. Let me buy you your ice cream. Why? Because you're different. There's something about you that's not like me. I like the lifestyle. Tell me about it. Kingdom living will make you distinctive. Kingdom living will change who you are. 
kingdom living will invite you into God's best and provide it for you so that when you walk out there and you live your life, people look at you and they sit and say, there is a person who preaches the gospel. There is a person who lives the good news. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I want to see your lifestyle. Becoming a distinctive person becomes something that not only changes who we are, and revolutionizes our life, but it introduces us to distinction in the world. It puts us at a place where the rest of the world has a look at it and they sit and say, now you're talking my language. Now you're presenting something to me that I find interesting. Talk to me about that. The importance of becoming kingdom citizens goes beyond personal comfort and satisfaction. The importance of becoming kingdom citizens translates into your glory shall cover the earth. His glory doesn't cover the earth because of what we say. His glory covers the earth because of who he is. And the only way that we can demonstrate who he is, the only way that we can take who he is, is by living him out of our lives. Our lifestyle becomes a testimony. Our lifestyle becomes a magnet. Our lifestyle should be distinctive. Our lifestyle should be the thing that is compelling to people out there where they sit and they have a look at it and they say, I want to be a part of that because I like the lifestyle. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I just want to thank you for every single person who's listening right now. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing on the inside of them, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for people who may be sitting at the door right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will just begin to unsettle them. I pray that you will just begin to make them hungry for more of who you are. And the invitation will be extended for them to be obedient to what it is that you call them to do and for them to step into the kingdom. I want to thank you for transformed lives. I thank you for distinctive lives. I thank you for people that get out there and are magnets for the kingdom. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in every person's life. And Father, I pray that the eyes of our spiritual, that that our spirit be enlightened and open. And so that it doesn't matter what we see in the natural. We're able to see the conception taking place. We're able to feel the growth on the inside of us. And we live in the expectation of fruit being manifest through our lives. I thank you for a blessed week. I thank you for a full week. I thank you for an abundant week. I want to thank you, Father, for a week where we become walking testimonies and billboards to the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.